I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. At the United States Postal Service, we deliver fast and affordably for small biz, big box, large scale, wholesale, retail, B2B, B2C, ASAP. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at usps.com slash delivering. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live, and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host. Welcome to Spirit Talk. I am so excited to start this podcast. And my name is Karen Kaplan, and I'm the author of my new book called Conjoined, A Holocaust Haunting, One Man, Two Hearts, and Me. And I am so excited uh, we'll, we will be talking about stories and paranormal experiences from this book. We'll be talking about spirituality, which is something that I just love to talk about. And I couldn't have picked a better guest host today than my good friend, Lee Chapin. Welcome. Thank you, Karen. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited about this podcast. I know we had talked about this many years ago, and now here I'm March of 2022, we have manifested it. So how exciting. Yes, I'm excited. Well, Lee, not only are you my good friend, but you are a spiritual teacher. You're my teacher. You are a medium channeler, a licensed therapist. I can go on and on, (laughs) but you are an incredible woman. And I'm just so happy that you are part of my life. And I'm so thrilled that We are going to put this podcast uh, together and move forward and talk about just different topics of spirituality. And um, if there are any listeners out there, feel free to just write in with any questions and we'll be happy to answer them. So I thought I'd start out with um, letting the listeners know how we first met. (laughs) That's a fun story. Yeah, quite unusual. Um, And I had a friend who was a therapist who had just, who was working with a client, a new client, not very long. And he noticed that his client was just healing remarkably. And he asked his client, what's going on? Like, you know, I I noticed such a big difference in you. And And his client said, well, I'm working with Lee Chapin. And she gave him the card. And so my friend, the therapist, gave me the card because um, I was very much interested at the time trying to learn about spirituality. So he gave me the card and I spoke with you very briefly on the phone and invited you to my home. Um, My house was filled with 
uh, friends and relatives. And you were going to talk about, you know, a general topic of spirituality, like spirituality 101. And you came to my home. I don't know how many years ago was that? Um, so 10 years ago. It's been a long time. Yeah. You came to my home and you began to talk and it, it was well received until the very end of the talk. Do you remember what you said, Lee? You have a better memory than me. I just remember being there and we held hands and we did a prayer for peace. But you prayer can take peace. it away. Right. Okay. And then you said, um, Karen, your community has gone through a lot of suffering. Your community um, is traumatized and it's time for your community to heal. And then you also looked at me and said, Karen, you too have had a difficult past and it's time for you to learn to forgive. And that totally set me off. <laughs> um, and I wasn't quite sure where you were coming from, what you were talking about. Um, then the judgment came in and I said, well, wait a second. This woman, Lee, comes into my house and tells me about my tribe and my people and me and she doesn't know anything about the Jewish people in my community. Um, you see, I'm on the North Shore of uh, northern suburbs of Chicago. And I knew, Lee, you were raised in a small town in Illinois. And um, I don't know if you've ever lived amongst Jews in your town. but and, and that's all that came through my mind was, why is she saying this? And I was triggered. And I do know that um, that when you are triggered, you need <laughs> it's time to take a look at it. Time because that's what needs to be healed. Well, I wasn't aware of that at the time, <laughs> and I want to ask my viewers: When do you get triggered? Are there times in your life? Can you notice when you feel anxious or angry or um, or become passive aggressive when you? When you're in the midst of a conversation with someone or you see something on television, do you get triggered? Well, if you do, that's a sign that you need to start looking at it and doing some inner work. Well, I was totally triggered and I couldn't wait until you left my house. And what were, what, you know, I mean, the, the prayer for peace was, was nice, but oh boy. And then I decided I wasn't going to talk to you ever again. <laughs> until you thought I was crazy. Yeah, I thought you were crazy. <laughs> and I remember when um, I was invited to come, um, I remember exactly where I was. I was in my home in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I remember uh, saying to my husband that I had to go help the Jewish people. It was really a strange experience, but it was like something came over me and it was like, I have to do this. I, You're right, I wasn't uh, raised around Jewish people, but to me, people are people. And so I don't separate people from uh, their backgrounds, their ethnicity, their religious belief. It's like all people have trauma in their life. All people have base emotions. We're all dealing with the same emotions as human beings. So I don't categorize anyone being any different. We're all part of the human race. And so, but I just remember that. It was just stuck in my mind. I remember standing right there at the chair in my living room saying, I almost started crying because it was a deep feeling. It was a deep emotion. I almost started choking up telling my husband at the time that I have to go help the Jewish people. It sounded really ludicrous, even for me. Uh, but it was an inner knowing, an inner gnosis that I was supposed to um, be able to, to share something that I had to offer. Right. And then after several months, I started to think about what you had said. And I sensed there was some element of truth. And I started... Then I realized maybe I should call you up and talk to you and maybe discuss this. And then how many years <laughs> later I became your student and I and you we I started to work with you as um, you were my therapist and my spiritual teacher. And you've helped me through so much that um, it, it just tremendous relationship I have with you. And I'm so grateful. Um but that's how we met. <laughs> it was so strange at first. Um, we've, been, we've been told uh, 
for the listening audience that, you know, our connection is karmic, that we were sisters in a past life and that, you know, my understanding was that I was here to help assist you as you were here to help assist me. So then we came together, even though we come from diverse backgrounds uh, and what's the chances we would ever meet. You know, I live in Florida part time and in Illinois part time and you're up in Highland Park near Chicago. So what were the chances that we would meet? But we were destined to meet because the, the role was for me to ignite the energy within you of forgiveness, which is really the story of your life with your dad and what the premise of your books are about. Right, right. So, um, yeah, what an incredible first meeting with you. <laughs> um, so speaking of books, so um, in my book, there's stories, like you said, about forgiveness. Um I talk about being a daughter of a Holocaust survivor and how the trauma of what my father endured, how it trickled down to the next generation and how um, my family and how I and I, we, how we suffered because of my father's experience during the Holocaust. Um, and you have taught me a lot about forgiveness and we're going to share um some of these uh, stories in the next few weeks. Um, but there's a quote that says, don't underestimate the power of your story because you could be changing someone's whole world by just being you. And to the listeners out there, if you have a story, if you've gone through difficulties, if you've learned how to overcome and heal, I'd love to hear your story. Maybe write your story down and maybe you can gather some insight because we can learn from each other. We can learn how others heal and maybe we can find a way to open our hearts up and learn to heal from others. So um, that's why I love, love reading stories. And I'm so thrilled that I had written this book and I can share my story um, with uh, the public. But my story is very strange, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around the story as I read it because it's so unfathomable. The story is not only about me learning to overcome the trauma and the difficulties of my life and going through a home invasion with guns in my head and just there's so much, but it's a paranormal story, an experience that happened to my father during the Holocaust and how it stayed with him and with my family until the day my father died. And it wasn't until years later that I discovered this secret, which changed my life. And that is because you were able to conjure up the this, this spirit, which is what we talk about in, in, in the rest of the book. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, um, Can we back up a second again? Because I think the, the listeners need to know that you wrote a first book called Descendants of Rygrod, and this is really a sequel. This book can join as a sequel. Yeah, I want to share that because I think we're missing a piece here, huh? All right. So my first book called Descendants of Rygrod, um, you can find it on my um, on my website, is a story about learning to forgive my father, who was a Holocaust survivor. Who... Which is why I came to Chicago in the first place. Right. To help us. And yes. And he he had the, the highest form of PTSD. He was so traumatized after witnessing the death of his mother and sisters in a small village of Poland. He ran through the forest for three and a half years. He um, eventually made his way to Germany in a uh, DP camp and and sailed to America in 1951. Um, where he met my mother a few years later, they married, and I'm the youngest of two older, you know, I have two older brothers. Um, and I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, and there was all sorts of abuse. And I didn't realize the impact of this abuse um, until I started working with you, and you were able to teach me about the importance of forgiving my father. And that is what my first book is about and how I um, went through this process of forgiveness. Um, so, so important. Um, but this book conjoined is, um, 
I wanted to under I wanted to learn where my father my father had taken an alias in the forests of of Europe during the Holocaust. He was born as Avram Steinsapir and changed his name to Ari Kaplan. So my name is Karen Kaplan. And I wondered why my father changed his name. And then I wondered, who is this man, Ari Kaplan, whose name I had inherited? And I had searched for months and months and months trying to find out any information about this man named Ari Kaplan. And so I finally turned to you and asked you for help. And I was hoping that you would give me um, some institution or a, a place in Europe where I can dig some more. We do research on this man named Ari Kaplan. But you said, what did you say? Well, let's just see if we can conjure up his spirit and we'll see if he can give us some information about himself. And I, and I thought, conjure up his spirit? I've, I've never met the guy. So how would he know who I am and how would he know to come forward? And then I thought... He, he, he may not even speak English because he may be European. And I don't even know if he's dead or alive. And you said, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make matter. a difference. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Doesn't matter. Can you explain to the, to the listeners out there and um, your process? Because half of this book is about our sessions with this spirit named Ari Kaplan, like, how do you go about um, channeling this spirit? How does that work? And, and, and can you explain the process of a session, having a session with you? Well, I've been channeling for almost 29 years. March 21st, 1993 was when I started channeling. And on that day, I began to hear a voice of a spirit guide that I had been told about seven years prior. His name was Gran. And I spontaneously begin to start channeling his message. I don't really know how the process works, except that obviously I've done this in other lifetimes and I've elevated my vibrational frequency enough to be able to contact spirits, both people who are deceased and have crossed over, as well as working with many of the angelic realm, the ascended masters. I work with um, many of the galactic beings, the Palladians, the Syrians, the Arcturians. And so I am called or considered a versatile channel where I, um, I have the ability to access information from higher realms of knowledge to bring it in through my voice in English, because that's my you know native language, to be able to access the information, to be able to help people understand aspects of their life that they're struggling with. And so as a psychotherapist, this skill or this uh, ability really works well with my education and training because it helps people understand the higher aspects of what's happening within their life. I get the higher spiritual frequency or perspective of one's life. So on that day of March 21st, 1993, when I began to do this, I found it quite unusual. I wasn't expecting this. Uh, I was familiar with channeling uh, and I had been a student of metaphysics, but I had no idea that this was going to be my life path. I can't tell you really how all the um, how it really works, except I start with a prayer. And then I begin to either call in a certain being if I want to work with Archangel Michael or if I want to work with um, St. Germain or whoever is of the light who wishes to come. I may invoke that spirit or if I'm asking to call in um, your father, uh, Ari Kaplan, the entity, uh, I invoke that energy and somehow I'm able to raise my frequency. They're able to lower their frequency and I'm able to telepathically hear the words in my head, as well as I see visions. I'm clairsentient, which means I'm able to sense energy. I'm claircognitant, which means I'm able to, to know or to, to also feel it, as well as being clairvoyant, where I can actually see, and clairaudient, where I can hear. So I have this multi-sensory ability to tap into the higher realm. Do I know how that really works? No. Somehow my brain is able to do that. I'm tuned in somehow to be able to do it. So that's really how the session really begins is I just call in a prayer and the vibration comes in. I actually feel the vibration, feel the energy of the being I'm working with. And then I hear a word and then it's like a stream of consciousness. I begin to speak just like I'm speaking now. I'm not thinking about it. Just like I'm not really thinking or consciously thinking of what I'm saying at this moment, that stream of consciousness flows through me 
and I know when it starts and I know when it's time to end because I can feel the energy begin to, to fade. Well, it's amazing. I wish I had this ability, but it's not there. I have some intuition. Uh, like I know when someone right before someone's going to call or text me, I think about them. So I have a little bit of um, intuition and, but I wanted to then now ask you another question. So what is now there are people there who, who believe in this afterlife and spirits and there are people that um, are extremely skeptical as I was in the very beginning and do not believe in any of this. And there are some of those that are sitting on the fence thinking, well, it, there may be life after death. There may be more to the to life than this physical world. But what is the purpose of this? Why would someone want to meet with you? Why would someone want to delve into the uh, different aspects of the spiritual world? Can you share? Well, the clients that call me call me because they're they're having problems, they're having issues or life challenges, and they call me as a spiritual counselor. They call me as a spiritual psychotherapist. So that's primarily what most of my clients call me for. So just like I worked in the traditional mental health setting. Now people are more awakened and understand that there's um, a higher perspective to understanding their problems in traditional therapy. Oftentimes people's problems go back to past lives where we have the same patterns, we have the same imprints, where we maybe we have the same phobias, we may have relationship issues or we're involved with say our husband or, or a, um, a family member where we're having trouble or challenges with them. And so we can go back into what we call the Akashic Records, which is the energy where we're able to, everything is housed like a big computer. I'm able to access the Akashic Records and be able to help people understand what's going on between them and say maybe their spouse if they're having difficulty or if I'm tapping into an issue where this person might have a phobia or they might have an addiction of some sort where we go and we go back to the root cause. So people call me for a variety of reasons, but people typically call me because they're they're more awakened. For those who are who are just beginning to awaken or beginning to understand that perhaps there's um, more to life than what that we can see in our third dimensional world, uh, that can be a challenge to people. But oftentimes people will have a sense or a belief that there is a God or they may pray to some you know, deity or some energy to, that's outside of themselves for guidance. Most people believe that, unless perhaps you're an atheist, that there's something beyond us in our world. Um, I always say the mere fact that we're human beings, that we're created, the, mere, the miracle of birth is the essence that God lives, that we are created from some energy beyond ourselves. So just by the mere fact that you've created your three children, yes, yes, you procreate. But how did this miracle occur? We go and we see the grass, we see the trees, we see the rejuvenation of the earth. Now we're coming back into springtime. How? Do, how are, there's there's living essence. There's the divine spark in all of life. How can we deny that there's something not beyond than that what we can control? Because we're we're very limited in our thinking. They say we only what use maybe five, six, or maybe they say ten percent of our brains. But the vast energy of, of the divine spark of God essence is, is miraculous. Yes. Um, so I know that for me personally, um, working with you it, it helped me um, overcome a lot of my uh, difficulties from my childhood. And for someone like me who lacks patience, um, I've worked with therapists and I've and, and they've worked well for me. But when I went to see you on that very first session, you spoke to my core issue immediately. I didn't have to sit with you and talk about my life, review things that happened, you know, traumatic experiences. It's as if you knew immediately what I needed to work on and then you worked with me as a counselor to help me understand and overcome. And to me, that that was the best. That was the best way for me to heal because um, I just wanted to 
get to the core problem immediately, work on it. And, and I'm still a work in progress, so mm -hmm. I'm not completely healed. But I really like that part of working with you. Um, it just made things go much quicker. And Well, that's the, that's the beauty of my work with spirit, because they know everything about you. I just happen to be the vessel. I happen to be the oracle to bring that information through. But the higher beings that I work with know all about you. And so they, the, the, the point of sitting there and talking about um, mundane issues is really not efficient. Or, or what I'm saying is may not be pertinent to you. So spirit will get to the root core of the issue immediately. So within the first you know, few minutes, or within, typically I work with people for an hour. By the time we get done within that hour, you have a new spiritual perspective of the root issue of what's going on with you. Then we can begin to move through those limitations or those beliefs or those barriers that are blocking you from moving forward into a, a place of peace and tranquility and being able to have, again, that higher wisdom or that higher knowledge of like, oh, this is, this is what uh, is blocking me from my life or from moving forward and being able to be happy and to be at peace. We follow typically the same patterns is what is happening, but we get to the root core that may come from another lifetime. It may come from this lifetime, but oftentimes it typically goes back to other lifetimes because we're here as a part of our soul growth, again, to merge back into wholeness. And so our soul is always bringing us the life lessons or bringing us the, the opportunity to begin to heal what is not whole within our, within our lives. Yes. So that's the, that's the beauty of really why I like to work with spirit. It's so much to me. It's um, again, like I said, it's much more efficient. It's much more fun. It's information that oftentimes I could never access as being a traditional therapist. And I remember when I was uh, working on a psychiatric unit back in the eighties. And I remember I had a big feeling that there was a better way of helping people, but I didn't know what it was at the time. And then when I started channeling and doing my spiritual counseling work, it's like, oh, that's, this is what it is. So I had an intuition ahead of time or a premonition ahead of time that it was something that that was going to be coming. So I love how spirit has worked through me to be able to help assist people. It's I like it. And again, we cut to the chase. We get right to it. And it's quick. Oh, and that's what I love about it. The other they thing. There's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to bring up is there are some people um, that are afraid of going to see a psychic and mm -hmm. you also have psychic abilities uh -huh. and what I explain what I try to explain to people is that I don't I'm not there coming to see you to to learn about my future I'm really not so much interested in what you might have to say about my future I am more interested in working on my past because if I can work on and overcome the issues of my past, I can create a future. I can create a better me and prove, improve myself so that I could create a future that I want. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you, what are your thoughts about this, about, being psychic or people asking you psychic questions? Well, I think people have a fear of psychics because there's been a, um, a betrayal of psychics uh, with a gypsy sitting in front of a crystal ball, wearing a long gown and uh, giving your future. I do have psychic abilities, but I don't really like to call myself psychic, even though I am. So I, that's why I call myself a, a, psycho, a spiritual therapist or a spiritual counselor. I access the wisdom, the information as a psychic, but I'm bringing that information in through um, my, again, what I want to say, my own filter as a psychotherapist to help you to understand your problems in a very grounded way. So when I am a psychic medium, I am a spiritual counselor, I am a channeler, I am an oracle of, of higher wisdom. So there's many names, but because people don't understand this, they get confused or they get afraid. So I don't really necessarily like to, to call myself that, even though I do have those abilities, because people get hung up on labels. The bottom line is if, if, this, is a, if this is an avenue or a, a modality that you would like to use to help yourself, 
then this is an opportunity for you to be able to expand your mind and be able to look within and be able to tap in to the information that's given to you and always use your own level of discernment. But if it's helpful for you, if you resonate with it, if you're feeling better, then don't really worry about the label of um, how it's working or where it's coming from. Is this helpful for you? Right, right. Um, so now let's get back to my book. I was wondering who is this man, Ari Kaplan, whose name I had inherited? And I had asked my father as a teenager when I discovered the truth. And he said to me in his Polish accent, I found an ID during the war and it helped save my life. Uh, but don't ever talk about this again. And and I was scared of my father. And I said, oh, you know, I knew I was never going to bring the subject up with him again. Um and I never did until about, oh gosh, at least several decades later, he had already passed. And I started to wonder about this even more, especially when a, a man in the audience, as I was speaking, um, had asked me, who, who is this man? And I, after doing research, we, we finally, you finally conjured up the spirit and we he, this young spirit came through and he was a Nazi and he was his, which to me, I, I was surprised because with a, man, a name like Ari Kaplan, it's a Jewish name. And I didn't understand how he could be in the Wehrmacht in the German army. Um, but he was, uh, his father was German Jewish. His mother was Greek Orthodox. He lived in the western part of Poland, which was annexed by Germany. So where there were a lot of Germans that moved from Germany into Poland. And in the beginning of the war, the first two years of World War II, Hitler conscripted 150,000 Mischling, which means mixed blood, foot soldiers to be like slave soldiers to the Nazis and his army. And this young man named Ari Kaplan was 17 years old when he was forced to join the German army. If he didn't go into the army, they would have sent his family to Auschwitz, a, um, a death camp. And as you were speaking to this spirit, this was the information he revealed to me. And as our sessions continued on, he said, I asked him, how did my you and my father meet? And he said that he went AWOL after a year and a half of, of being in the Wehrmacht, treated horribly abused by the German soldiers, had to do horrible things to his people, the Polish people and the Jewish people, he decided to go AWOL and he ran into the forest after three nights and the weather had turned cold. Um, so there was snow. He tripped over a rock. He fell, cracked his head, and he lay there in this cold tundra dying because my father was running in the forest for three and a half years, that morning he came upon this dead soldier. He turned, he flipped him over, he ransacked the uniform. He looked at the ID and saw that it said Ari Kaplan. He took this young soldier's ID, he took his knife, he put on some of his clothes and my father knew that if a Nazi should ever find him, he could say, my name is Ari Kaplan. I am part of the Wehrmacht. And he felt that that um, would have saved him. And it certainly gave my father a peace of mind. And that is the story that this spirit that came forward through you to tell me about how he had met how my father and him had met. Do you want to talk about seeing the picture in your parents' wedding photo? So 
one of the sessions, oh, there's so many sessions and there's so many crazy stories. Um, before I get into that, the, the young soldier who would lay there in the forest, he was dead. And he said to you, he said to me through you, he said, Karen, I couldn't see the light. My soul could not pass over into the other realm. I died with such anger in my heart toward Germany, toward the Germans, toward Hitler, that I couldn't move on. And my soul had hovered over my body. When your father came upon me and he took my ID and my uniform and my knife, I decided it was at that point that I would merge into your father and become an entity attachment. And that's when I was, I freaked out. I said, I never knew that that really existed. And I said to him, how long were you inside my father? And he said, until the day he died. And I said to him, you were there in the hospital room when my father was on his deathbed? And I was forgiving him. And he said, yes, I heard every, every word you spoke. And I said, and then once my father died, he said, and then he was released and he um, was able to move on. He also said that he learned his lesson to never again uh, merge into anybody's body. <laughs> so, um we had so many more incredible sessions. Each session, there was a surprise. Um, but during one of the sessions, he said, Karen, you've seen me. I said, I've seen you. He said, yes. You know that picture, the wedding portrait of your parents hanging in your house? I said, yes. I said, that's me behind your father. And then I shrieked and I said, oh, that face behind my father, I thought that was the devil. And he said, <laughs> no, it was me. And I remember I had that portrait hanging in my home. And when I wrote my first book, I took a picture of that portrait so I could put it into my first book. And as I looked on my phone, I noticed behind my father was this image of a man looking down at my father. And I looked like the devil. He had a, a beard and he looked dark hair. And I took the picture off the wall and I put it in my closet for several months. And then I thought, no, this is ridiculous. There's, I don't know what that image is behind my dad, but I've hung the picture up back on the wall and then during the session, he tells me it's him. I, I flipped out. I just. And it's definitely, it's definitely visible. Yes, you can see it. And you can, and I took that picture and I put it in my second book conjoined just so that people could actually see, you can actually see this mm -hmm. image of this man. Yeah. How does that happen, Lee? I mean, this is a. Uh, I have I have no real idea. I can't say I that I uh, am an expert on this, but you've heard of ghosts and yes. people who have passed away, but they haven't moved on to the light, and so right. they're still earthbound. So, oftentimes, people who aren't ready to go into the another dimension or into the heavenly realms, whatever you want to call it, people may call it heaven, whatever level, whatever you, word you term you use. If people are afraid to move forward, then they get earthbound and they get stuck here in what we call the astral planes on the earth. And they're in between third dimension and, you know, the higher realms, the higher frequencies as we ascend, you know, into higher realms of consciousness and they get stuck. So we call those ghosts. And I think you call them dibics. Is that right? Yeah, well, a dibic is when an entity that has a ghost is stuck in the, the between the worlds and then looks for someone to merge into a body. Mm -hmm. And that's what a dibic is or an mm -hmm. entity attachment. Yeah. They merge into the body. But do not all ghosts merge into bodies, do they? 
I don't think so. I think someone just may, if they, they died in their home and they're afraid to leave, they, they just inhabit the home where people have ghost sightings or lights are flickering or they might see images in the house or they might hear strange noises. Uh, but at least for your dad, he merged into your dad's energy field. Uh, we talked about that in terms of um, him being afraid and being alone as he was a young boy. I think, what, 19, I think he was, and was afraid to be alone. And so his energy somehow attached itself to your dad and then remained there. I'm not sure why he wasn't able to be released from it. Uh, maybe perhaps because of his own fear. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But that's what happened. Right. So I had uh, one of my readers ask me, he was able to merge inside my father, but then why didn't he, he tried to pull out, but he couldn't pull out of my father. He had witnessed so much trauma in my home. He was a fly on the wall, but, and he tried to pull out of my father's energy field, but he couldn't. And, and she wanted to know why. And I said I would ask you. And and I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. That I don't have an answer to. Maybe he just wasn't able to because of his own fear. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. if we, I don't remember us asking him that. So we'd have to really go back and ask him about that because I, I personally do not know. Okay. All right. And maybe he wouldn't know <laughs> why he couldn't pull out. Um, but the this the spirit came through and not only was this a, a, a most unfathomable story, um, but I definitely learned things from this spirit. Um, and I learned about how, um, how love and how prayer can, um, that there's no, no fine line. Like if you pray, your prayers can reach, into the other worlds and and he helped me understand that mm -hmm. and and how so it, can you explain more about that lee about how prayers can move beyond how we can pray for someone well everything is connected energy is all connected so as we maybe talk about the internet and how those frequencies, those vibrations, that energy gets emitted into the world. Like, how, how are we connecting now? You're in Chicago, I'm here in Illinois. You know, Tiffany's hosting us here in Connecticut. How does this all work? Energy's all connected, we're all one. So there's no separation. So as humans, we have our linear thinking where we just think, see, feel what we know in our physical world. And yet again, there's a vast energy of what we call the divine, the essence of creation, that everything is interconnected, that everything is one, that there's a vast energy that is continuing to, um, to be present, as I call the divine spark in all things. And so as we pray, as we hold that vibration, that energy, then instantaneously can be brought to that person, place, or thing that we're praying for. So it's just like telepathy. You talked about having intuitive abilities where you maybe be thinking of someone and then they call you. So this is a part of you accessing this other person's mind, or maybe they were thinking about you and you tapped into their energy frequency. So there's no barrier. There's no limitation in terms of energy. So it's the same thing with prayer. It's the same thing with REA being up there where I can access his information. All I have to do is invite him. If he's willing and open, if he's able to do it, then I'm able to access that frequency. Just like you're able to tap into your friend who you're thinking, I was thinking of Mary and then Mary called me. Right, right. It's fascinating. It's so fascinating. This whole world of spirituality is fascinating. Um, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk more about um, different topics on spirituality, like past life regression, um, soul review, um, what happens to the soul when it moves on. So many topics that we're going to explore. Is there anything you would like to add to today's um, conversation before we end? Well, I was just going to ask you how um, all this has changed you in terms of um, from when we met and writing your books and how it's also changed your community. Because I know that I was I was called or felt that that moment of there when um, 
I remember standing there thinking I was supposed to help the Jewish people. How do you think this is all, has helped your community or your tribe? Or do you know if it has? How have you been a conduit to help your community, your fellow brothers and sisters? Um, I know that after, after writing these two books, it may have given some people in my community a whole different perspective on forgiveness, a whole different perspective on the world of spirituality. There are a lot of people in my community who are... Um, who are a bit shy to talk about spirituality because we still in in our synagogues and in Jewish schools, we really don't talk about this whole other spiritual world. Maybe until we become adults and we're much older and we're a little more we're wiser and we want to reach out and learn more, but it's not discussed in general in the Jewish community. So by writing these books and opening up, I'm I'm hoping maybe it's given some insight to people in my community into thinking about um, you know the paranormal world, the world of spirituality. Do I? So I'm not completely certain that how much change has occurred um but it's it's just letting people in my community know that um there are other ways of thinking and um so hopefully i've shed some light on this on this world of spirituality have you gotten a lot of uh, criticism or, or feedback that maybe wasn't pleasant um, oh yeah. So when I, after my first book, um, I began speaking throughout Chicago, um, and then in New York, I actually also went to Poland and Germany and spoke about forgiveness. Um, it's very difficult for a lot of people in the Jewish community to hear me talk about forgiving, uh, the Germans. It was hard for me to talk about forgiving my father. Um, and, Many people in my community felt that it wasn't appropriate for me to talk about a Holocaust survivor in terms of being an abusive person. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I did, and I shared, I, I'm glad I shared my book because and spoke because there are so many people who've had so many children of Holocaust survivors who who came from dysfunctional and abusive homes. And they, after reading my book, they felt that they were not alone. Mm -hmm. And when hearing my story and hearing how I was able to forgive, I hope I've opened their eyes up to a, maybe a, a different way of thinking. And maybe they might um, go down this path or another path and, and, and learn how to heal. So for many, they wrote, many readers wrote to me and were grateful that I, I, I wrote about that. Mm -hmm. But then I went beyond that and wrote about forgiving the German people and forgiving Hitler. And that was very explosive in my community. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people will have said to me, you know, I can, I can, um, you know, there's a, you can forgive, you can forget, but most people don't want to forgive. Um, um, they say it's important to remember, but you cannot forgive. And, um, and my thought is it's really important to remember our history, but it's, it's so important to forgive because forgiveness is really not about what the other person or the perpetrator had done to you. It's about how you can move forward. You've experienced horrible things, but how do you want to live the rest of your life? Do you want to live with this anger and bitterness or do you want to let it go, forgive the person or the persons that hurt you in your lives and move forward? Um, and that's how I try to explain this to um, audiences and um um, I'm don't know how many people, uh, you know, had changed their minds or thought differently, but um, I did share my experiences with them. 
Well, that takes a lot of courage. So, you know, I applaud you for doing that because I know that that it had to take a lot of courage and bravery on your part to be able to stand up and, you know, speak your truth of what you believe is truth and what you're trying to help people to to move forward because forgiveness it really only hurts ourselves if we continue to hold that bitterness and anger and it perpetuates more anger. And our world is never going to be at peace if we're all angry and we're wounded and we're hurting and we can see it in the world. You know, it's prevalent everywhere now that we're seeing another potential, you know, catastrophe here or it's already occurring, you know, with Ukraine and, and Russia, you know, the, the trauma of war and the pain and suffering that people go through. And yet, if we can continue to hold on to that, that peace within us and know that that we hold a, a higher vibration of love and what we can give to ourselves, then we can bring out into the world. So you're bringing that frequency out to the world. If people want to receive it, that's great. If they don't, then maybe it's been seated within them and they'll get it at another time. But you're you're doing a, a fabulous job of, of bringing the message of forgiveness to others. So that's why I applaud you for that. Well, so. Thank you. It's yeah. as if you planted the seed in me. And now that I've learned and understand more about forgiveness, I hope I'm able to plant the seed in others. Yes. And it's just spreading goodwill and love and forgiveness and working on being compassionate. And, and I, you know, that's what's really you know, important What's the message. Yeah, and that's that's really why you want to get this book into a movie. That's why you want to get conjoined into a screenplay to get that that message. It'll be a message movie about forgiveness, helping us understand that it it will be entertaining as a paranormal story story. But it's more than that. There's it's going to be it's a, it has a message to it of of a higher understanding of forgiveness, and again the pain and suffering of war and how it has affected others, and yet as we can sh- as you share the story then. You can hold that level of compassion, you know, onto the world and say, look, where we need to move forward and forgive. I know that it was difficult for you with your dad and and I can't imagine what your dad went through and how he suffered and, and how he brought that trauma and, and poor REA being trapped and, you know, being aware, you know, as a divic in your dad's body and his spirit being trapped. And so, again, you're doing a great service to many others. And so I... I'm really excited about your your book going into a screenplay. So, so happy for you. Thank you. Me too. And from your mouth to uh, God's ears, I hope this happens sooner (laughs) than later. Well, it's definitely needed. You know, the message is needed. Yes. So thank you, Lee, for coming on. We're going to have some more great topics next Thursday at three o'clock central time. (laughs) Talk about different topics on spirituality And I am excited for the next few weeks. So thank you so much and look forward to seeing you next week. All right. Thanks, honey. Have a good week and thank you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.